Good morning, church. Please stand with me as we come together and worship God through song. Jesus spoke. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had... Good morning, church, and good morning to those online. I'm here to give you your morning announcements. Um, starting off, church council meeting will be following after this service in pastor's office. Um, on Wednesday, we have prayer and share at the chapel at 6.30. But before that, there is a celebration. We are going to celebrate Miss Ethel Shelton and her birthday so if you could come between 3.30 and 6, we would love to see you and celebrate this amazing woman of Christ. She's an amazing member of our church. Um, then on Thursday is the quilt group at 10 a.m. in the dining hall. Uh, we'd love to see if you want to come quilt. That's a great group of ladies that enjoy quilting. Then on the 17th of this month, so not this Wednesday, Wednesday, is our Connect Meal. If you have not our Connect Meals, you need to. Put it on your calendar right now. Pastor won't mind if you get your first minute. Put it in your calendar. But after you up outside, because our kitchen crew would love to know how many we have. But that is a meal our kitchen crew provides for us. It is an amazing time of fellowship, a time to share with each other in our church and then followed by church service after that if you are like me and you are a busy mom 
The Connect meals are a saving grace. It's one night you don't have to fix for your family, and you get to be with your church family. Um, so take time if you are available Wednesday the 17th for that meal with each other. Um, now I'd like to ask my dad, Glenn Carty, to come and pray with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our dear, gracious fathers, we come to you right now with thanksgiving in our hearts. Just, there's so many things that have happened this past year as we look forward to our new year, Lord, that, uh, that uh, your grace will be upon us, Lord. And, and Lord, we thank you for, for all your love that you have for each one of us. And Lord, there's just, just so much uh, distress, it seems like, around us, Lord, but yet uh, you love us enough to, to forgive us of our sins, Lord, and we appreciate that. Now, Lord, as we uh, continue with our service this morning, Lord, uh, just be with uh, our song service, be with Adam as he leads us in that to prepare us for the message that Cliff has. And most of all, Lord, if there's someone here that needs to make a decision this morning, Lord, that today will be the day. And be with us as uh, we leave here today, as we go out. Uh, just help us to spread your word uh, around the world, Lord, around our community and right here in our own hometown, Lord. And bless those that are home watching us on, on uh, TV, Lord. And just uh, live all this up to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand with me once again if you're able. We'll continue to worship through song. Me and bought me with his, his redeeming. 
He plunged me victory beneath the cleansing flood. Water you turned into wine and opened the eyes of the vine. There's no one like you, none like you. Into the darkness you shine, and out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you, none like you. God is greater, God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other, God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, Into the darkness you shine, and out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you, none like you, because our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what do stand against? What could stand against? Because our God is greater. Our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? Because our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God, 
So we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel. In the book of 1 Samuel, we're talking about David, okay? The son, the son of David. And why are we doing that, okay? I want to ask that question. This is a question that, that, I, that I thought of, and, uh, you know, I wanted an answer to it. So that's what we're going to do, okay? What's, what's the connection between David and Jesus? I know that when I open up Matthew, Matthew tells me that he's in the lineage. But God used David as a way to tell about what to expect in Jesus, but much more, okay? So that's that, that, that idea of foreshadowing. And so when we talk about the Messiah, we just celebrated Christmas. They, they just moved the decorations. Last week, there was a manger scene here. Well, there's not any now. So they, they took baby Jesus away. I can't, I can't pick him up anymore. And so, um, but as we move towards the end of March, Easter, the last Sunday in March, and as we do that, we're going to do what? We're going to study about the resurrection, about the and the resurrection, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we're setting up for that as we're talking about David, because when they when Jesus came, they were waiting for a Messiah. He was the Messiah. He is the Messiah, right? But as, as they talked about it, there were some that, that didn't understand him as a Messiah. What were their expectations of Messiah? When we look at that, here's a couple of definitions. He is the anointed one, which appears in the Old Testament with reference to ruling king David or Davidic. In other words, lineage of that. The expectation is the second one, the expectation from a, for a king from the line of David. That's the idea of the Messiah. Now, I want you to know that as we move through this, we're not going to go over this every Sunday, but I want us to get used to that. This is the idea. This is why we're looking at it. Because the Messiah was looked at as a king. So when Jesus came, the closest he got to being king was when he rode in on the donkey, right? And people cried out, Hosanna. That was, that was the closest point where they, that it, that it might look like that's the one, although that wasn't it, Right? So they were looking for that because it was in the prophecy. And in Luke chapter 1, he will be great. This is the angel speaking. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. You see the connections? The angels made it for them. And in Matthew 1, 1, as Matthew writes down the genealogy, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we get that linked together as we're talking about Jesus, as we're talking about the Messiah. And then back in Isaiah, long before all that took place, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, we read this. For a child, when we're getting ready for Christmas, right, this is on your Christmas cards. Okay, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and more. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So you see, they get the idea, they know David, that's not, that's not distant history for them as it is for us. They knew David, they knew the stories. We're going to learn the stories of David. But they knew the stories of David, and what they wanted more than anything was another king just like David. That's what they were looking for, and that's what they were, that's what they were hoping for. So when Jesus wasn't that, they had an issue with that. Because what they wanted was temporary, not eternal. So why David? Okay, why, why did God choose David to be the, the king that would foreshadow that? It, it's, not, it's not so much the why as how does he 
foreshadow Christ. How does he foreshadow Christ? Last week we talked about this, and you'll have to indulge me on this, but last week we talked about Saul, not about David, because when we talked about Saul, we saw the setup, and we'll see that, we'll continue to see that this morning, we saw the setup for David. Why did, why did David, why did we need a new king? It was because of the sin of the old king. Why did we need Jesus? Because of our sin. Why did we need Messiah? Because our sin set the stage for both of those to happen. So here we are in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're going to do Randy's class, not this Sunday night, but next Sunday night to serve in the Bible, somewhere in there you're going to cover this, all right? So there are eight periods in the Old Testament. This period of beginnings, the, period, the age of the patriarchs, the Exodus, that's Moses, right? The conquest, Joshua, the judges, all those guys in there, the which is where we're at right now. It's Saul, David, and Solomon, the three kings of the United Kingdom, then with Rehoboam and Jeroboam, Rehoboam in the south, Jeroboam in the, second, in the, in the north of the split kingdom. Then we go for the exile where they're carried away to Babylon, and then the restoration when they come back, Ezra and Nehemiah, those books that we look at there. That's a quick look at the history, and that's kind of where we're at. Now, how many of you were in grade school? Yeah. Okay. okay. How many, I'm not going to ask how many got through it. Okay. okay. But here, because when I, when I think of this, I, I can picture the playground at Colt School in Litchfield. All right. Just, just, just this is the way it was. And it was after we had asphalt. Okay. There for a while we played on rock, and then they decided uh, that they didn't want to pick the rock out of us, so they just let us skin our knees on the asphalt, okay? So since we played baseball, kickball, we played everything on that thing, you know, a Red Rover. That. But when we played the games, I remember we choose two captains, two guys got to be captains, and then what did you say when you're standing there, right? Pick me, okay? The idea of pick me, it was the idea, you know, the, who gets picked first, the best guys get picked first, right? When did I get picked? About last, okay? <laughs> just be honest with you, okay? Uh, that's just how it worked, you know, it, it, it's how it worked. But think about how you make decisions. None of you, I, I don't, are any of you still paying pickup basketball or? No, one. <laughs> right. And I'm going to guess you're going to get picked first, okay? Okay, but anyway, think about how you pick things. Right? Why do you make the decisions that you make? Why do you make the decisions you make? And how do you make those decisions? How do you make those decisions? You know, there's, there's, there's not any ramifications, I, I guess, from picking pick up basketball. But there are other things that you live with, and sometimes the decisions you make now come back later on. The decision that Saul didn't make Right? He saved, he spared Agag. And then we read, we, read, we, excuse me, we read about the descendants of Agag in the book of Esther. Hundreds of years later, he makes a decision back then that affects that story now. So as we look at that, it's, it's, it's asking that question when we talk about picking things, how do we go about, how do we go about making our decisions? And what we're going to look at today mirrors some of the same things that we make. Now, I told you already, but I'll tell you again, as we're leading into the 16th, Samuel has been told by God, and Samuel has told Saul that you will no longer be king. So if Saul's not going to be king, who's going to be king? Who's going to be king? And that's where we pick up the story in the 16th chapter, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, How can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse did the sacrifice, and I, I will show you what I'll do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate 
to you. Did what the Lord said. And came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, do you come in peace? Now I'm going to stop here for just a second. And just, just to answer this question because we're not going to deal with it. But we don't know why they, they were trembling. We have a little bit of speculation what was going on there. But there, there's not a solid concrete answer other than what we just read there. Okay, They came trembling. Do you come in peace? Let's pick it up there in, in verse 5. He said in peace, I have come, Lord, consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now, we're going to get to this. Eliab is the oldest son of Jesse. So he looked at it. He looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees, not as man sees, for this is the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shema or Shimi pass by, and he said, The Lord this one either. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel, Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy or dark with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went. So as we read these first 13 verses, what do we find out? God has sent Saul, Samuel, excuse me, God has sent Samuel to Bethlehem, to Jesse, to, because one of his sons is going to be the next king. And he wants him to anoint him. Now we know that that next king is going to be who? David, because we just read it. So here's an interesting twist, okay? Listen to what happens next. Because I think this is crucial. We're, we're, we're not yet to the Philistine giant yet. We're not there yet. To Goliath, that comes in the next chapter. But here in this, in this interim here, we get a little introduction. And you see what God has the power to do, and they didn't see it. So here we are in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and the evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servant said, then said to him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is, skillful, is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you that he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the flock. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and a young goat and sent them to Saul by David his son. Then David came to Saul and attended him, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David now stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about that whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the hard hand, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Read through these passages of Scripture. We read through the, the entire 16th chapter when we read that two parts there. At this point, Saul is still king. Saul's been told that he's going to be replaced. I don't think Saul is okay with that. 
You know, Saul, Saul likes being king. He wasn't like, let's sign me up to be king. Saul said to Samuel, pick me. But you chose me. And now that I've been king, I'd like to stay king. And he doesn't. Remember the mistakes that he made. One, offering up the sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to. And two, saving the best of all the animals so they could offer them up as an offering to God. He justified both of the wrongs. We never do that, right? I asked that question last week. What sin are you justifying? You know, that, that's, that's a hard question. So as we look at Saul, remember Saul is in, in the, he's on the throne, so to speak. They don't have a palace yet, but he's the king. Recognized as the king. He's the leader of the country. And he doesn't want to give up. It's at this point that God said to Samuel, how long are you going to sit around and mourn? We got work to do. And he tells him, fill, fill your horn up with oil and go. Because you're going to need that oil to anoint the next king, as you did with Saul. You're going to need to anoint the next king. And I'm going to send you to Jesse. Now, what I loved about this, when I think about this and I walk through this, and I'm, we're talking about our decisions and how God makes decisions, etc. God already had a plan before there was a problem. Saul, or excuse me, Samuel, at this point, doesn't appear to know who Jesse is. Not a man of importance at this point. But yet, God says, I want you to go see Jesse in Bethlehem. He gives him explicit directions about where to go. And, and, and Samuel does what we would do, right? You want me to go pick a new king while the king's got a sword in his hand. That doesn't sound like a good idea. And so, what if the king hears? Then he tells Saul, Samuel what to do, and Samuel follows the instructions. Guess what, guys? When God tells you to do something and you're afraid to do it, and God has a plan for you, what happens when you follow his directions? Things turn out like God intended them to do. But when you walk in your fears, when I walk in my fears, and I, we can't, can't do that, God. You're going to have to send somebody else. We're going to have to figure out another way to do this because there's no way I'm going to go anoint another guy as king because Saul's going to kill me. God had it figured out. God had a plan, and God was going to work that plan out. All that he asked Samuel to do was to do what I tell you. All that God asks us to do is to do what God tells us to do. It's, that, it's simple enough. So he walks through there. Now, here's the part where it shines on us. Because when Samuel shows up, he shows up, we're going we're gonna to sacrifice the heifer, we're going uh, to have this anointing of the, the, the chosen one. Show me your sons. Now, he, he walks in, and as I look at that, he walks in and he sees Eliab. Eliab is what? I mean, this is Samuel's pick. We're talking about Samuel's pick here. And, and Samuel sees Eliab. Now, let's stop for a moment. God's chosen where Samuel needs to go. He tells him, you need to go to Bethlehem, you need to go to Jesse, and one of his sons is the one I'm going to pick. And at this point, what does Samuel do? Samuel so far has followed God's instructions. He's grabbed his horn, filled it up with oil, grabbed the heifer, and he's took off and done that. Then when he gets there to Bethlehem and he's now with Jesse and his sons, what does Samuel do? I got it from here, God. Think about that. Because Samuel makes a pick. Here we go. Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. As Eliab the oldest, I mean, it's obvious that you ought to pick the oldest. That's how it was supposed to be. You ought to pick the oldest. And so he looks at Eliab, and guess what? He's, he's got everything that Saul had going. He's tall. He looked, I mean, he looks good. He's already old. He's older. 
all of that stuff going for him. And Samuel said, man, this, this must be the guy. And God said, no. And, and what God said is this, that we judge, Samuel judged, on appearance or height. We do that when we pick leaders. When's the last time we had a four-foot-tall president? <laughs> Think about it. Okay? I mean, once we got TV, when's the last time we had an ugly president? Okay, I'm not going to go there. But anyway, we look at the outward. I mean, you think about that. Did anybody ever pick out a Yugo because it was cute? No, it was cheap, right? You know, I mean, we, we pick things out based on how they look. You're, you're, the paint on your walls. Why is it on your walls? Because it was cheap or because you like the color? Okay, I mean, you know, think about those things. So Samuel's standing there. He looks at him, and he says, this is the one. God says, no, I'm not picked him. Because man picks looking at appearance and looking at, at, at height. And he had all of those things. Now, I want you to say, I, I love this because I'm reading through one of my commentaries, skimming through to making sure I'm not missing anything. And one of them says, now, don't take this because I don't want to be that guy that says, you know, God likes short, ugly people. You know, I mean, it's not, that's not what that's saying, all right? God doesn't have to pick it based on appearance. God looks a little bit deeper than just what we look like. God uses handsome people. He uses tall people. He uses short. God uses everybody, and that's what we need to understand. But at this point, Samuel was basing his decision on only what he saw and not on what God saw. Not on the outward appearance. God looks at we. This is a verse we remember, right? When I read that verse, you're going, I, re I recognize that verse. God looks on the heart. On the heart. Sometimes I'd rather even pick on appearance. Anybody else that way? Okay. I can, I can clean up okay. My heart sometimes. Let's talk. You know, now, in this passage of Scripture, he's ran through Elabab, Abinadab's the second youngest, Shammai or Shimei, depending on where you look at it, Nathaniel, Radai, Alzam, David. We don't know who the eighth, there's no name for the eighth one. But we had David there. And the first three, the oldest three, are actually we're going to read about in the next chapter, and they're warriors. So can you imagine Samuel looking at them and go, okay, that, look, that guy looked pretty good to me, God. And the next one, well, he, he's, you know, he's a warrior too. He's older. He's got to look good too. And then, and then when all of them parade through, it's like none of them. None of them. Now it's a little perplexing, isn't it? Then we find out who God's choice is. Okay? Who is God's choice? Because at that point, Samuel goes, um, all of these resumes are on the no stack. I know that there's something missing. Because God said he's chosen one of your sons. So there's got to be another one. I mean, Samuel was ready to take the first one he saw. Or at least the oldest one. I don't know if it was the first one, but he's ready to take the oldest one. And then through the, gra the gap of them, he's looking. And then... Samuel goes to Jesse, you got anybody else? And Jesse, I think, at this point is going, well, you got my six oldest. What was wrong with them? But yeah, there's another one. He's out tending sheep. You know, because that's what he's good for. And Samuel says, go get him. We're not going to sit down until he shows up. And when he shows up, what do we find out? He is the one. He is tending the sheep. That's the thing that we get. When he shows up, he's healthy. It says ruddy in the version I read. I think that says dark in the other versions. He's been out in the sun, okay? Um, he's handsome. He has beautiful eyes. This is the one. Now, I find that, you know, when, when I stop and look at that, think about this. God said he's not choosing an outward appearance. But yet, as we read that, 
David doesn't look all that bad either, does he? I don't know if he's short, but at least at this point, he, he's good-looking, got good-looking eyes. All right? So, so that's what we get. But there's something more than that. And that's what we're going to learn about as we walk through the story of David, is we're going to see beyond the outward appearance. And we're going to look into the heart. And we're going to see deeper into that. And then we're going to see how that David gets to be the foreshadow of the Messiah to come. We get to see that choice that God made and why did he make that choice. The latter part of that chapter we read where David ends up in the king's court. The next king is in the king's court. You see how God had the power to do that? You see, as a writer, as a compiler, the chronicler of the history that's going on there, that was planted right there in the midst of it. I don't know that it all occurs chronologically as I move through there. Because when I get to the, the, 16th chapter, the 17th chapter with Goliath in there, it's a question like, who is this guy? Well, in this previous chapter, you knew who he was because he was playing a harp for you, and you made him his armor bearer. So as we walk through this, there's some interesting things going on. But God had his plan, and what was God doing? He was working out his plan to bring about his plan to work, even when it looked like it might have trouble. It would be easy, if Saul had died, to go get another king. But Saul is still standing there, and Saul is still leading the, armors, but God, the, the army, but God has chosen and he's used his judge his prophet Samuel to go find that man and now God is going to bring him about into that place as we talk about this choice as, as, we, as, as I'm reading through the, the, the background information it's obvious you know when he said why not Abinadab well obviously he's the oldest he ought to be the one that's chosen but yet, when I go, he has a strange way of making choices. Who was it of Israel's sons that he put in Egypt second to Pharaoh? The oldest one, right? No. Wasn't the youngest either. But it was Joseph. God had a way of doing things that doesn't necessarily make sense to us. He makes choices that, that at times confound us. Last week, what was sitting up here? The manger scene. You're bringing in the Savior. You're, you're, you're in charge of bringing in the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, the one who is going to save the people from their sins. How are you going to do that? Well, I'm getting airtime on all the major channels, right? I'm getting a special hour to introduce to you the Messiah that's going to be born. Not in a manger. God made a choice. And God chose a manger to bring in the Savior of the world. God didn't choose the biggest, strongest, oldest. God chose David. As a matter of fact, when I think about salvation, God makes choices that just baffle us. Because in our mind, salvation ought to be based upon what? Upon merit. We live, we, we still live in that world. The people that are going to go to heaven are what? The people that have done good deeds. God is a year-round Santa Claus. That's how I looked at it. So we look at that. But what did God do? God sent his son to die on the cross, this, the, God himself, the word became flesh, and the flesh bled and died on the cross for our sins. That's not how I would do it. That's not how our world thinks you get to heaven. But God had a plan for our salvation. He had a plan for sending the Savior. He had a plan for the next king. It doesn't always make sense, but that's how God chose to do things. When we roll through this, 
And we're looking at the choice of David. I ask you the question, how do you pick the things that you pick? How do you make the choices that you make? We may need to decide to rethink how we make decisions. Because Samuel's a godly man. But yet Samuel wasn't picking like God was picking. We make choices that matter. And if we're going to make choices that matter, maybe we ought to make better choices. Based on what would God do? So here's your, your action step for the week. This is what I want you to think about. How do you consider how you make decisions? In other words, when you make decisions this last week, how did you make those decisions? I know some of them are all that, that important, right? Like, what did you get off the menu at the, at the, at the fast food place? But other decisions you make matter. But how do we make those, how do we get in that habit of seeking God out in those decisions? When do we determine what decision, when do I need it? Only at the biggest times? Or maybe more often than that. So when do you, when, when do you say about a decision? That's my question for you this week. And what I'd like for you to do is jot down you can do it on your you can do it on your phone, or you can do it on old fancy old-fashioned paper works too. Okay, because I know some of you prefer that paper, pen, pencil. Um, but I want mark on your arm because that's what students would do. Okay. All right. I want you to mark down the number of times you have prayed about a decision. Because I want us to be conscious about how we make decisions. Because as you can see in the story, had Samuel left to make the decision, what would he have done? He would have made the wrong decision. We need to look at decisions as God would guide us to do so. We're going to stand, we're going to add to come up here and play. I'm going to give you a time. I'm going to give you a chance to make a decision for Christ. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you thought because it makes sense to you that I'm good, I'm going to heaven, but you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that because way is not going to get you there. Only through Jesus will we find salvation. Maybe you've come to 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 a decision about something else. And you want to share that with us. Maybe you're going to go on the mission field. Maybe you feel called to preach. We want to pray with you. Maybe you have somebody else that you would like to pray for. You come and pray. Maybe you have something that's, that's burdening you, that's been bothering you, and, and you, you've been wrestling with what to do, and you simply want to do this. You want to make this your first mark this week and ask God what to do. Let's stand. Among the 
scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you for, for what Jesus did for us. Thank you that you loved us, unlovable as we are, as we were. Father, that you sent your Son to die on the cross. Father, your, your ways are not our ways. Father, help us this week that we might line our ways up with your ways. Father, that we might seek you out. Father, that we might see and make decisions as you would have us and lead us. Father, that we would follow you faithfully in what you ask us to do. Father, help us to make a difference in the lives of those around us as we allow you to work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, church council, back here in a little bit. And Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, 3.30. There should be cake, right? Okay. And we'll have, a, we'll have a little birthday come and go kind of thing. And then Thursday, if you do quilting or anything like that, show up for that. Thank you guys for being here today. Hey. Hey, bud.